Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. Guess what episode we're on today? Ooh, I ran the 60s. We are 64. No way. Guess how many listeners we have? I know it's over 5,000. Is that right? Yeah, we're um, right up to 6,000. A couple more listeners and we'll be at 6,000. So that's amazing. We should just click on and listen to an episode so that we could get 6,000 by the end of the day. Share it, share us on your social media, because I guarantee you there's somebody in your circle that is a caregiver or knows a caregiver and even just listening to one episode might, might help them today. I could. Yeah, we have some, we have some really good content. It goes pretty deep now after this many episodes. I think even if you're not a caregiver, you can take something away from our shows. The focus of this is to help lift one another up and dive a little deeper into our problems and figure out some coping tactics. And I think we accomplished that. I think we do too. So having said that, how are you today? I'm good. Having uh, some tasks that, you know, I've got some things on my plate that I don't love and they're draining, the draining of my energy, of my time and my resources. And so I have to remind myself, um, what my coping tactics are and use them and stick to a plan and just, uh, as you would say, be mindful about what I'm doing right now and focus on that so I can accomplish it and, you know, move on to the next things. But I'm also doing something that you and I have a history of not doing, and that's taking time to disengage, decompress, however you want to refer to it, but really just unplugging and um, doing, doing even if it's just an hour, something that I like to do. Mm, I like that. So that leads into, I think, what our topic will be today, which is boundaries. And the boundaries can be big or small. They can be where you, you stop. You don't, you know, you won't allow somebody to breach the your boundaries because they're not good for you. That's pretty big when you get to that part, when you do that. But um, a lot of times boundaries are, are small, they're incremental. And they're important. They're breaks sometimes in your day. A lot of times boundaries, it seems so difficult to set boundaries. And the reason that is, it's just like if you're building a wall or a fence, mm-hmm. you can't do it without the right tools, without the right materials. And I think the reason I'm getting better in my life at setting boundaries is because I'm working on it and I'm acquiring some of those tools. I'm, I'm practicing the language that you need. I'm focusing on my breathing and my responses are taking a little bit longer because I want to make sure that I'm being cognizant of my boundaries when I do respond to someone. That's outstanding. It's a, it's an ongoing practice. And as we talk about this, we have a guest today. Yay. Who is it? We have Teresa Kumar. Did I say that correctly? Kumar. We have Teresa Kumar, who is a caregiver to her husband. I'm going to let Teresa tell us a little more. She, Teresa is um, in a different um, part of life than we are. Teresa is, has young children and I have grandchildren and Jennifer has a, a grandchild. So 
we're in different places, which I think is always so cool about our podcast is that we reach all different sectors of caregiving, military, non-military caregivers. And Teresa has had some big accomplishments lately. So I'm going to let her tell us about them. A little brag sheet here. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Um, like you said, I am a caregiver for my partner. He was wounded in Iraq. Um, and we, I have been his caregiver for over 10 years now. And that's weird to say, didn't even realize that until I was thinking back about it. Um, I came into it a little bit different, um, than some because I met him after injury. So I don't have that, um, sense of loss of somebody different after, after the war injuries that he had. Um, so I've always had my eyes wide open. Does not mean it has been easy, but I've had my eyes wide open the entire time about what I was walking into. Um, to, so my big accomplishments, uh, I am two weeks away from getting my second master's in educational administration. I've been here and I'll hopefully be moving into a principalship soon. So, um, and I did that. Uh, it, I started that my program back in December and uh, had a baby in October and it was 20. <laughs> I'm pretty of myself and stuck through it through the really hard times um to get to that point oh sure it would have been easy so easy to throw the towel in at something that you were doing you can't throw it in at being a mom and you can't throw, <laughs> can't throw the talent at being a partner and all the things that you have to do in a caregiver so the one thing that could have gone would have been the education piece and so that's so much to be proud of thank yeah. you yeah and oftentimes we when we have to make a difficult decision to stay with something or, or to let it go, um, sometimes we have to let it go. And it's smart, you know, it, it's smart to make the right decision for you. And I'm glad that the right decision for you was to stay in the program and finish despite all of the obstacles that, that got thrown in your way. Yeah, it was, um, you know, talking about boundaries that that is a big one that setting the boundaries for myself and knowing how how far I can push myself, because some sometimes we put way too much on our plates, and so even setting boundaries with myself and knowing that I could do it, because there were weeks that it was like I don't know if I can keep doing this with all the things that I'm juggling. Um, but fortunately, I have a tremendous support system with my family um, and helping out with my caregiving duties, um, not only for my partner but also for our kids so it's almost a bigger challenge for your family and I know a lot of our listeners do become caregivers uh, but they meet their loved one after the onset of their illness or their disability at, like you did um, and so did your family so it's not that your family loved and knew this person and then they uh, were wounded or um, contracted an illness or um, developed a disease it's that your they are, they met him this way. They met him after injury. And so you've all had to, to, you've all stepped in and you've all learned how to navigate those waters. Um, as far as boundaries go, is it difficult for you because you do have help to ever say, 
I want to do this, or I know you've been doing this for the last six months, but I finished with school. And so now I'm going to take this back over. Is there anything like that in your caregiving responsibilities? Um, so another thing that will be kind of coinciding with finishing education is I took a part-time remote teaching job back at the school that I taught at previously that I had to stop working at because it was too hard to do it with caregiving. Um, like he was starting to spiral really bad. So I had to take time off, but because I could do it from home, then I was a, and it's only an hour a day instead of four hours a day. Um, we've been able to kind of work that back into our schedule. That was not easy, but that is ending soon too. So <laughs> the hour a day of, um, him kind of watching the kids being in the room with them while I'm teaching, um, that will come back to me, uh, once all of that is done, that I will be full-time mom again, <laughs> which I was anyways, but yeah, but it was a good break for you too, I bet though, when you were teaching. Yeah, because I love doing it. So it was, it was a wonderful way to try to bring that back into my life without it being too overwhelming for what our life is like. So and, a, um, what, what grade do you teach? Sixth grade English. Okay, great. And so you're also a writer too. That works perfectly. We, we um, Jennifer read a snippet of Teresa's um, writing on our last podcast. So if you want to hear a little bit of that, you could go back to episode 63 and take a listen. Um, I've been following Teresa's, Teresa's writing. I love reading her posts on Facebook. And at my request, she put it into her blog because I can, as a busy caregiver, I sometimes start reading it and then I can't get back to it. And then, so now I have your blog and I can go and and read the, it even sequentially, which is really interesting. As you know, I'm sure you know, I, with my son, he's got, got pretty bad PTSD and this is all relatively new after so many years of serving. And so reading it is really good for me. It's very insightful. We, we have the spiraling thing that goes on and um, it's, it's draining. It's draining even for him, you know? So I've learned so much just by reading your blog and I appreciate that you share it with me. With the it's time world. for the shameless plug. Tell our listeners where they can find you and read your blog. Um, so I believe, see, I don't even remember what I posted it under. Um, like I know the blog that I, I named it uh, Peanut Butter in My Purse, Vitamin C in My Pocket. And that's from my life as a caregiver that for a year when I was going to work, I carried a jar of peanut butter in my purse to have breakfast with an apple once I got to work and I've had vitamin C in my pocket as my little self-care if I didn't carry it in my pocket I would have forgotten to take it at some time during the day so I'm so proud of you for that that's such a, a brilliant tip if you are forgetting to take your daily vitamin every day because you're a caregiver and you remind everyone else to do the things that they need to do put the bottle in your purse because <laughs> then when you are thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, did I take it? All right, now I can take it. And then, and it's great that now, right there. since I don't leave the house, they're up on a cab, they're up on a shelf and I forget to take it. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to get better at that. Sometimes I have to put an alarm in my phone. No, but that's smart too, though, putting an alarm in your phone. You, and we also learned, I think it was episode 59. You can also ask Alexa to remind you 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> Set up yeah. some alarms. Hey, you may have seen that on our social media a few times. Uh, we actually had a little glitch. Uh, our, sometimes our Facebook and our Twitter have a mind of their own and uh, they just repost things over and over again. So if you saw an Alexa post like a hundred times in the last week, we're, we're really sorry about that. <laughs> we're not getting paid by Amazon, I promise. That's right. <laughs> we, we actually get paid how much, Jen? Well, I, I'm currently uh, taking zero payment. Yeah. Zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we just... This, this Caregiver Life podcast is done with all of our heart and soul for caregivers. And that, that's, that's why we do it. So um, we don't get paid anything, but we like, to, we like to push out content that we think is really good for people. And we talked a little bit about writing on this podcast too, which is, I think, what, um, how we really connected for you to come on the podcast. Do you find time to, to do writing for yourself or is it on the run kind of writing? Um, I sharing the story. So I started writing cathartically and I would say cathartically, um, three years ago, um, where when I was still teaching, I actually stayed the last, after my school day, I stayed the last half an hour, put some music on and just wrote for 20 minutes every single day. Cause that was like the only time I had by myself where I could really focus on that. So I made that and a priority for probably about six months. Um, and then the school year ended. So <laughs> I lost that space. Um, and then things got so chaotic with having kids and being home. Like it's nearly impossible to sit down for a minute without any distractions um, to actually focus on writing, especially the heavy writing that I'm doing because it's, it's emotional. It's really hard. Um, so I need to take my own, I need to have very personal time to do it. Um, but I have found the writing. So that kind of started that. So I had kind of like a template of what I was, what I wanted to write. And then recently it's usually when I'm nursing the baby, cause it's quiet that I'm sitting on my phone and I actually do it on my phone. So I would much rather write it by hand cause I like um, the feeling of that. Um, and that's how I really like journaling. And I usually keep little notebooks all over the place uh, to try and do that, but I can't, I, to, <laughs> to have a pencil and paper in my hands, uh, the kids won't let me do that. So <laughs> well, how old are so the two and a half and Violet just turned one last week. So enough said right there. <laughs> yeah. So if I have anything in my hand, they will not, they will not leave it alone. So the phone's a little easier to use that with. And I would imagine with young kids and caregiving, it's tough to have boundaries. It's almost like you have a boundaryless life because you're, you're the pivot. You're the everything. Very much so. Um, but I have gotten really good at outside of my home saying no to things that is too much. Okay, good. Which That's is not easy to do for people that like to help and pitch in and always be there. But I've, I've gotten very good in the last two years since I've had my kids saying, no, I can't do that right now. I would love to help, but I can't do that. That's, we, I wrote a, a blog about the art of saying no um, a few years ago, actually, and it recycles every once in a while um, on our show. 
it's something you have to practice. Most people are not good at saying no. Uh, most caregivers are not good at saying no. That's not in our nature. Um, and the more you practice, the easier it gets. And um, the more reflective you are of the person's needs. Oh, wow. I really wish I could help you feel that need. And I know you're going to find the right person. Unfortunately, it's not me right now. Uh, but thank you for asking. Uh, the more you practice, the easier it becomes. And I think that boundary for me has helped so, so much in my health and wellness. Absolutely. Um, another side of that is um, expecting things from others. So like we can put boundaries and say no, but sometimes we get caught up in expecting others to do certain things. And I started a philosophy a few years ago and it was dealing with some really, really hard situations with drug addiction with one of my family members that I no longer want to put expectations on others. Um, and so I approach things that I only do what I can do and I am okay with that. And I give myself grace for what I'm able to offer. And I don't expect things from others so that I can freely put my love out there without getting my feelings hurt because they're not reciprocating. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's such a great place to be. It relieves you of your own like burdens that you carry around. If you just give freely and you're not judging and you're not waiting for the give back, that's that in itself is so, is almost like a boundary that you put on yourself. I'm not going to go past this. I'm not going to, you know, expect things in return. I'm going to give because I can. And it has come back to me since I've been doing that. It's come back to me. Like I get more back because I'm not expecting it almost. So putting that out in the world, since I'm freely loving other people, um, then people freely love me, apparently. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, as teachers, cause I, I taught for 13 years and I taught high school. That was, so I was in the classroom for seven years and then I needed to leave because my caregiving responsibilities became too great. And I taught online pretty much full-time at a pretty heavy load, uh, virtual. And I never saw those students, you know, I, did, I could be in the grocery store and be next to them and I wouldn't know. But I had a bunch of students, even online, um, who I knew really needed to be there because they couldn't be in a classroom and be vocal like they were online. And I, I, a lot of what my teaching, my students have come back to me, but I know there's so many of them that took things from me from what I gave them in the classroom and I'll never know. And I love that I'll never know. Cause I just, that's why you teach, you know, that's part of, that's the heart of being a teacher is to give of yourself and hope that you impart something to your students that helps them at some point in their life and, and never even know about it. Yeah. Well, and you think too, of all the teachers that you've had in your life that you didn't tell them how much they impacted you. So it's happening that that is what happens. It's the beauty of teaching, which is why I'm glad I get to do it for a minute little amount of time each day remotely. It's one of, of all the hard things that happen with COVID. That is one of my shining lights, having my daughter and teaching being back in the classroom without being back in the classroom. Yeah. Classroom without walls. That's so, that's so great. That's such an important thing. And I had to have boundaries as teachers too. I had to, I used my phone for boundaries when I was teaching online, I would put do not disturb <laughs> or like eight o'clock at night until seven o'clock in the morning. Cause these kids would text me two, three o'clock in the morning, you know, 
Oh so, yeah. I just have a question about an assignment and I'd be like, hmm, like it's you know two o'clock, so no. <laughs> yeah, that was something um, that I did. Uh, I gave so much of myself when I was at school, but I always made it a priority that once I left school and I would stay an hour after, but once I left the school, I left work at work because Mommy. otherwise it would be all consuming. Mm -hmm. What do we have here? This is Timmy. Hi, Timmy. We have a special guest now. Timmy has joined us. Now I got to meet Timmy when he was a baby. <laughs> Yeah. Teresa and I went with our care recipients and our families to um, a, a special event in Indianapolis and she I was so impressed with her she took care of her husband nursed her baby was calm collected I mean you were such a good influence on me because I spent many years not being calm and collected at all and I just need to be around more people like you because honestly when we're around people that are de-escalators it helps uh, it helps your heart rate, it helps your breathing, as opposed to being around people who are escalators all the time. Um, yeah, that was, um, talk about a weekend full of boundaries, boundary breaking <laughs> for a lot of us. Um, that was an amazing weekend that we got to spend. <laughs> I can't read this to you right now, I'm busy. No, Go have daddy read it to you. No, no, don't. Yeah, I'll sing it to you. No. Don't. Oh, we'll just trade babies. <laughs> oh, and here's another little baby. This is Violet. This Hi, is Violet. Our old. It's nice to meet you too, Violet. One, right? One years old. One years old. Aww. Um. So that that weekend definitely challenged. Um, my partner, Marcus, um, since he does not like crowds and unfamiliar places, and that was both. But it, was both it was intense crowds um, for prolonged periods of time. It was um, actually my brother and my care recipient was there. Um, I'll just give a little more information. We were in Indianapolis um, for some big events and including a concert at the um, Indianapolis 500 during race week and uh, a filming of the Today Show which people just packed like crazy and there was pushing and there was bad weather and I actually got to see my brother help another veteran um, find a find a place to go when they were being triggered and I was so proud of him because um, he's my brother was wounded, you know, over 16 years ago, and it really showed all the work that he's put in, and also all the work I've put in. <laughs> I was going to take yeah. a little bit of credit for that. <laughs> it's very true. That weekend was a big show of um, the journeys, the journeys that we had all been on and where we were at, because it was not an easy thing, but, you know, like going through it was not easy, and then after it was over, I remember him saying, he goes, that was a really, really neat thing to be a part of. And I was like, it was a really, really neat thing to be a part of. <laughs> and we made it through. Um, but he understands um, his boundaries. And it's something that I talked about, what you guys actually read about the excerpt um, was uh, the boundaries that we have here is that, and it goes with my expectations, that we never expect him to um, take part in anything. 
but we always invite him to take part in whatever we're doing. And in Indianapolis, he went to some of the events, but after a few days, it was overwhelming and he didn't go to um, the taping because it was just way too much for him to handle. And that was okay. That was okay that he was able to make that choice because we really appreciated the time that when he was there. You know, that's such a great point. I, I think that's true of caregivers too, or at least it's true of me anyway. And, and, and Megan Swanson, who was on um, an earlier podcast, a few podcasts ago, um, had talked a little bit about this as well, that there's a, sort of a fear of being left out as a caregiver because we can't do so many things that the people that we know in our lives are doing and they, we stop getting invited. So we, so instead of expecting us to say yes, if you would just invite us anyway, cause then we can go, we will go. But if we don't know what's happening, we can't even make a choice. So as true as it is for our care recipients, it's also true for other people in, in our lives that are not caregivers or at least caregivers to the degree that we are. You know, the, not to have the expectation, but to offer the invitation. Yeah, from coworkers to people in your parish or um, your synagogue to even your neighbors, it's important for them to keep inviting and keep understanding when you're no-shows. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we were a no-shows. And I definitely, there are some folks in my life who are now acquaintances and not friends because they, they stopped inviting and they just couldn't understand that, that our level of engagement was so much lower. Um, and they couldn't lower their expectations of us socially. So, so they, they had a different, you know, they didn't see where our boundary was and, uh, and that's okay. You know, it's accepting other folks um, and, and what they can um, understand. I mean, it's part of this journey. It's part of broadening ourselves. I think as, as uh, caregivers who are adjusted, well, the well-adjusted caregiver. <laughs> So, it, so go ahead. It's not easy. It's not easy to get to that point. No, it's, it's not. A lot of trials and tribulations to get to that point where you're comfortable with what's going on. And and it changes over time. It, it, it does. And then you get presented with a brand new situation once you figure everything out and it's almost like you start over. But fortunately, you have a toolbox full of caregiving tools to try and navigate new situations as well. Yeah, exactly. You keep building the tools in your toolbox. Um, so we're getting close to the end of our podcast because we don't, we don't like to take so much time from our guests and from our listeners. We try, we try to keep it in our 30 to 40 minute range. So I, I, I like to ask our guests who are caregivers, what, what was the biggest surprise as a caregiver for you and the second question, so you could answer it all together if you want. Um, what was the biggest surprise as a caregiver? And um, what is one of the best things as a caregiver for you? Biggest surprise as a caregiver. I'd, pro I'd say the biggest surprise that you get when you're this intimately involved with um, healthcare, because it's a lot is the lack of knowledge of some healthcare professionals. <laughs> this, so much this. You know, Mary and I are uh, 
we're honorary neurologists. I'm also an honorary physical therapist. Mary's an honorary um, respiratory therapist. Oh, PT too. I was invited last week at the clinic day to do more stretching and PT for Tom when there is no physical therapist. So we'll put that on my list. (laughs) (laughs) We just rack up just a variety of um, things we didn't think we were going to do. But, and that, so that, the lack of knowledge and empathy sometimes that, you know, we, we have gone through, especially with the mental health, we've gone through so many mental health providers and it is hard to find that match that actually works out, that is listening and going to go the little bit of an extra mile. And it's not necessarily their faults too. That's something that I keep in the back of my mind that they have a a large load as well. And so they can only give as much as they can give sometimes too. Um, But there's definitely uh, a difference between an attendee who's trying really, really hard, but has um, some hoops that they can't jump through on their own. So they're going to be a really good doctor in a couple of years. Um, But my husband is a really hard case. So it's not necessarily appropriate for them to be doing their learn. It's, it's good for them to learn, but not completely on their own with him. Um, And then we've had doctors that were just amazing. Um, And then some that after the first visit is like, we're not going back to that one. talk about setting boundaries, especially at the VA where you're kind of like at their mercy of, of, of care that when we get a doctor that we know right off the bat, this is not good. Um, we have learned how to tell the system, yeah, no, you're going to give us somebody else. (laughs) Um, with the VA or they're, they're, you know, bound to a specific, um, provider location right so I mean because of your because of where you live you may just only have few choices but it is absolutely within your right to set boundaries with professionals um, and and to let them know why it's important to say we've had some bad experiences in the past or my care recipient is is feeling uneasy about this relationship or he, we he we think we'd just be more comfortable with another provider it is absolutely within your right to say those things and the and when you're feeling that way, when your gut's telling you to do that and you act on it, it will become empowering. Yes, um, absolutely. I know the first time that I did it was very scary for me. Um, and I was like, well, no, let's give them a chance. You know, like um, it, it, it can't be that bad. And it was like, oh no, it can be that bad. And it's not, and like I said, it's not necessarily the provider's fault. Sometimes it's just not the right fit and it doesn't work right. So, um, and going into that process when I approach that makes a big difference. And knowing that, yes, I can say no. We can say no to this and do something different. Um, the best thing I was, I've been thinking about that because you know I, I, I listen to the podcast and I know that you asked that question. So what has been some of the huge positives of being a caregiver? And the biggest positive for me is because we have so many intimate, honest, open conversations because we have to, to get through this, I get to be my authentic self when I'm with my partner. 
and he gets to be his authentic self. And that bleeds over into other parts of my life that I, it's hard for me to put a wall up and put a shield up to the world because I practice being authentic so much of my day that I kind of am who I am and the world gets who they get. Oh, that's so beautiful. I want to be you, Teresa, when I grow up. <laughs> well, I want to be you too, so. <laughs> I might want to be Timmy. He sounds so happy and he's so well cared for. And... He's, he's pretty wonderful. He's a spitball of energy though. Well, two and a half, that'll do it. Yeah, and you guys see you're in my, my teaching office. This is my backdrop for my teaching. Yes, um, get to us. She has a, Teresa has a big sign behind her, hanging up behind her. And it says, beautiful girl, you can do hard things. And it's a reminder to myself that we can get through this. Gosh, that's beautiful. I love that. I'm so glad you came on our, our as a guest today. I don't even think we've ever spoken. We've been Facebook friends since Teresa is also a, an Elizabeth Dole Foundation fellow. And what year is you fellow? 2019? 2019. Yep. 2019. So are you alum now? I am. I transitioned to alum in January. Doesn't really mean anything. We're still it really doesn't. very much it, fellows. It, <laughs> I, I've known Teresa for several years and I have to say she, like I said before, such a powerful influence on me, such a calming influence. And whenever I think about you or I see a post, I always get so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know I'm not going to, if you do, if I read your post, I know it isn't going to be something that's going to bring me down. And that's how you live your life. And I just think the more of us that can live that way, the more off, you know, and maybe you can't live that way all the time, but the more often that you can, gosh, spreading that kind of kindness is amazing. And you've been a powerful influence on me. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, I thank you so much for that. Um, that is what I try. That's I, I intentionally try to do that in my life is put more love out in the world. Um, cause life is hard. And as if I can put as much happiness and love out in the world, um, I think that's what I was put on this earth to do. So I'm going to keep doing that. So thank you for saying that. And yes, well, I know that I have not, I haven't met you, but I feel like we know each other and you are like very close in my heart. Both of you are very close in my heart. So one of my self-care things, and I've told you that so one of my self-care things is actually listening to the podcast because it's like hanging out with friends. Oh, that's the biggest compliment ever. <laughs> really, truly. You know, I was a caregiver for so many years ago. Um, and, and once in a while, I talk about it. I've tried writing about it, but it's, um, as you know, with your writing, it's not easy to do. It's actually very painful to go back and relive the moments that were so difficult in our life. But I didn't know any caregivers in the 90s. And I, I would have loved to have had a podcast. I, I think that's why we devote Jennifer so many years ago as well, spent her time alone in those early days of caregiving. And they're so hard. And social media has just made that so much better for us, you know, so much less, less alone. That's how I know you. It's so beautiful. And you are proof that we can do hard things. We can have, you know what? If we can have babies and be a caregiver. We can get master's degrees and be a caregiver. We can work and be a caregiver, maybe just part-time, but, but we can do it. We can make a banner and put it in our office to remind ourselves of all the things that we can do. Yeah. So we have a writing prompt. You want me to read it, Jen, or you want me to read it? Yeah, yeah, go ahead and read okay. it. 
We have, um, if you're listening and you want some writing prompts, we're gonna, we're trying to provide them. And of course you can make whatever you want of the writing prompt. It's just a, it's just a start. You know, sometimes we just need to start. And I do like um, Teresa does when I journal and I can find the time I put pen to paper. I have a little journal book that I'm working on. And that's a very new practice for me to do it that way. But it's, um, it's really kind of therapeutic in that I just, I feel like it comes to, into my hand when I'm writing. It's, it's really a lovely experience. So here it is, write a list of cultural texts that informed your childhood. For example, a nursery rhyme, a lullaby, a series of books, a film, a TV show, et cetera. Pick one and write about the significance of its storyline to your own family storyline. And so the point of writing a list of it is to give yourself time to contemplate how you tie that into your own storyline. So say, instead of saying Nancy Drew books or whatever, The Hobbit, you know, write a few of them and see which ones you feel really good at writing, you know, writing to that prompt. And if you want to share a piece of it to us, you can do like Teresa did and send it to us as a message. Uh, you can send it to us at thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com or I always forget that part. I'm so bad. Uh, any, yeah, our, well, we need, we have to do our shameless plug now since we're unpaid. Um, <laughs> we forget about it. But also on any of our social media, we're very responsive to um, messages on Facebook. And um, you can even leave us a note via our website, thiscaregiverlife.com. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, you can on Instagram. I'm putting a little more on Instagram, and though quite selfishly, I think I'm just sharing things about ourselves because it's ALS Awareness Month, so it's it's easy for me to do that, and it's a military veteran caregiver awareness month. You know, kind of coincides here, and so I've shamelessly been putting that on on our Instagram feed as well, and occasionally we get up there on Twitter too. But I think we're most active on Facebook. Yeah, we are in, uh, you know, that's where our, our Alexa post is most active. Uh, I, I, I think at some point, maybe my, uh, my keyboard's haunted. Not, I can't really explain why that ha keeps happening, but um, maybe it's because more of you have Alexa and you're not using her for caregiving tasks. And that maybe that's why. Maybe it's the universe is talking. Maybe. Well, all right. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Tusa. We loved meeting your children. They were our own little like mini guests, mini caregiver guests. One day that's what you're gonna look back and you're gonna say your kids learned how to become caregivers and, and empaths from their, their childhood. And I have to say, even if you try to not to, to keep them from doing it like I did, they still will. <laughs> they do, they do. So, all right, well, that's a wrap for today. We'll say our goodbyes now. So we'll see you next time, Jen. Yeah, until next time, Mayor. Yep. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.